in a summer series called uh, Courageous Faith. And it's a chance to look at some Old Testament leaders and uh, ask the question why these men and women uh, were such awesome examples of faith. And so we've looked at Noah and we've looked at Abraham and uh, now this morning Joseph. Actually Joseph is one of my very favorite people in the Bible. Uh, I think he is that to many of us. There's something about Joseph that captures our hearts and endears us to him. Uh, you only have to read his story once and you never forget him. You know, he's kind of like that guy that walks into the room and, and you're instantly taken with him. There's just something about him that endears you to him and, and that's Joseph. He has that thing about him. Uh, he's a man of incredible integrity. He's a man that modeled continual forgiveness. And uh, so I'm excited to revisit his life with you this morning, but from the perspective of courageous faith. Years ago, Clarence McCartney wrote that everyone's life contains sufficient material for a great novel. Everyone's life contains sufficient material for a great novel. It's kind of cool, isn't it? I mean, I would love to read a novel about you. And, you know, as we go through life, we collect a lot of experiences and drama and stories. And we just need someone to come along and to put it all together and write it in the form of a novel. On second thought, it would be kind of intimidating to, to, to have your novel written so that everybody could read it. But I agree with the thought that we all have sufficient material for a great novel, for a great story. And who has a more fascinating novel than Joseph? He grows up a favorite son and uh, a kid that is a bit spoiled by his dad. A little arrogant, but he matures quickly and he goes from riches to rags to riches again. He knows the prison. He knows the palace. Uh, and by the time his journey ends, his life was impacted by just about every human emotion and, uh, and passion. Love and hate and ambition and glory and jealousy and joy and grief and treachery and deception and betrayal and forgiveness. I mean, the, the movie has got it all. We all have sufficient material for a great novel. So let's get walking. We have to walk a little fast this morning because of our time. And let's just discover a couple of points of faith along the way. Number one, the faith to dream. The faith to dream. Joseph was having some significant God dreams when he was very young, a teenager. Hey, I just want to say this this morning. Pay attention to some of those dreams that you get. Pay attention to some of those dreams that you get. It might not be too much late night pizza that's bringing on the dreams. Maybe God wants to plant a thought in your heart through a dream. Try to discern it. We're trying to do that as a church. It might be a literal dream. It might be a more visionary dream. But we want to pay attention to what we hear God saying and what God's speaking into our hearts. Just a, 
be sensitive to that. Genesis chapter 37 is the story of Joseph, and it says this, that Israel, who is Jacob, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age, and he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. When his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, they grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were all out in the field gathering bundles of wheat. All of a sudden, my bundle stood up straight and your bundle circled around it and bowed down to mine. His brothers said, so you're going to rule us? You're going to boss us around? And they hated him more than ever because of his dreams and the way he talked. He had another dream and told them this one also to his brothers. I dreamed another dream. The sun and moon and eleven stars bowed down to me. When he told it to his father and, and brothers, his father reprimanded him. What's with all this dreaming? Am I and your mother and your brothers all supposed to bow down to you? Now his brothers were really jealous, but his father brooded over the whole business. His father pondered all of these things. His father wondered what all of this meant. What was happening in Joseph's life? Was this God? Just like we wonder at times in our own lives, is that God speaking to us? Is that really God? Don't you ever wonder that? Was that, was that God or was that just me? Jacob was not the wisest father in the world. A great spiritual leader on many fronts, but not the wisest person in the world. And you kind of wonder, how does that go together? Not the wisest father in the world. He really set Joseph up for tough times with his older brothers. They didn't like Joseph because his dad was passive and he played favorites and it was obvious that he was the pet in the family. Passive fathers tend to favor the child who is easiest to raise. It's difficult to deal with a child who's hard to raise. That's why he or she is hard to raise. And Joseph was easy, easy child. Uh, we used to have a lot of fun in our family. Uh, the girls, the three girls, would kind of tease, who's the favorite daughter, Dad? Dad, who's your favorite daughter? Just to see if I would stumble. Well, all three of you are. But who's the real favorite, Dad? Well, all three of you are. It was a game. Well, I hope it was a game. And, and just yesterday I got an email from your favorite daughter with a little smile. From your favorite daughter. So the family of Joseph gathered around the table every evening and always it was the potential to be a bit of a powder cake. You could cut the tension with a knife. And then on top of this built-in favorite son syndrome, Joseph was a dreamer. Or I think maybe better said, God gave him dreams. I mean, you can't help it if you get dreams, right? It's not your fault. <laughs> if God is giving you dreams, you can't say, I don't want them. I mean, I guess you could, but what Joseph really needed was a dad or a spiritual mentor to help him process those dreams. 
You got somebody in your life who is full of dreams? Uh, maybe you can be a mentor. Maybe you can be someone who listens and guides. I mean, but thank God if you have someone in, in your life who is dreaming God's dreams. I mean, it really infuriated his brothers that he shared God's dreams with them. They weren't ready for that. I think it's important to say that there is a place where we need to examine with real discernment with whom we share our dreams. I mean, if God is showing you some things in your journey, be wise where you share that. Some people will understand completely and others will interpret it as arrogance or they will misunderstand or they will not encourage you in your processing of what God is doing in your life. Maybe Joseph was sharing his dreams because it excited his heart. It fueled his passion. It made him wonder about the future. Where is God taking me? I mean, I think it really got him excited for the future. And that's what faith does. It produces a sense of, wow, look what God wants to do. God, you really have some exciting things ahead for me. Mark and I just came home on Monday evening. We were, uh, we were at the triennial conference of the North American Baptists uh, in Sacramento, and, uh, of which this church is a part. And if I, if I really didn't believe this, I wouldn't say it this morning. But I'm excited for what God is doing among our 400 churches in this rather small conference. God is at work. And there are some new dreams afoot. We have a couple of seminaries, one just down the road here at Taylor in Edmonton, and one in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I wish I could unpack this, but I, I can't because of time. But I really believe in the next two or three years, some corners are going to be turned and seminary education is going to become more accessible and more affordable and more relevant. And so I just say, hang on, some good things are coming. I really believe some good things are coming down the road. And I feel that when I think of the track that God has us on here at TCC. There are dreams that God is putting in our hearts because we can't stay here, meaning uh, a holy discontent. We, we can't be content to say, well, this is enough. We've come far enough. I mean, I think we all feel that, that God has more, and we want to be part of what he is doing. There is just a huge community right around us to reach, and beyond that, there are other communities right next to us that we are in a position to connect with probably better than anyone else. Most of us probably don't dream enough. I mean, if someone were to ask you, what are your dreams for the summer and for the rest of the year? What are your hopes? What's your agenda? What are you trusting God for? Could you give a specific response? And dreams, I find, are usually fairly specific. They're personal, maybe not public. God doesn't give anyone else my dreams on a public computer screen for others to read. He gives them to me personally and he gives them to you personally. Dreams can easily appear to others as extreme. 
maybe even illogical. And if you share your dreams with the crowd before the time is right, they'll probably laugh at you because you can't make logical sense of them because they're dreams. And they're always outside the realm of the expected. Sometimes they cause us to suck in our breath. A common response when you share your dream is, you gotta be kidding. Are you serious? Let me ask you this morning, are you leading, are you a leader in some aspect of the educational world? Some part of the business world? In your own private world? Dreams are the stuff of which leaders are made. Sometimes it's, it's good to simply draw aside and pray and dream and see what God wants to do. Have you heard this story about Walt Disney? One of his, one of his board members said that Walt Disney would occasionally present some unbelievable extensive dreams that he was entertaining. And almost without exceptions, the, the members of his board would gulp and they would blink and they would stare back at him in disbelief, resisting the thought of, of even to consider such a thing. But unless every member resisted the idea, Disney usually didn't pursue it. Now you heard me right. Unless every member resisted the idea, Disney didn't pursue it, the challenge wasn't big enough to merit his time and creative energy unless they were unanimously in disagreement. I can't imagine functioning that way. That's the very opposite to most approaches. But no doubt Disney was effective in dreaming some incredible dreams. And he had the bucks to do it as well. Joseph started to grow his faith at home. Even though his own home was not a perfect place to dream dreams, he started to grow his faith at home. It was, a, it was a tough home to be raised in. That family dynamic impacted his whole life. And it's all in the novel, right to the very end, when Joseph said to these same brothers, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I should punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position that I could save the lives of many people. Genesis chapter 50. You see, it was a dream, that vision that God gave to him as a teenager that shaped his life. He never forgot it. He saw the hand of God in it all through his life. And so I just want to remind us this morning, don't disconnect the dream at the beginning of Joseph's life from the rest of his life because that dream set the stage for his entire life that he couldn't begin to see when he was just a teenager he didn't know how it was going to unfold hey you don't know it's coming you don't know what's down the road for you you don't know how it's all going to come together and you might be in a kind of a fragile state this morning saying I don't know how all this is going to work out and there's an element of faith and trust for every one of us. But God has got something for you. Follow your dream. Follow your vision. You know, sometimes we simply think of vision as looking at life through the lens of God's eyes. Seeing situations as, as He sees them. 
What's God saying to you? Oh, you might say, I, I don't hear from God. I don't really know. You might be at the edge, uh, age of, of uh, Joseph when he got his dreams. Or you might be here this morning and you're a grandpa or a grandma or anywhere in between. You could be in elementary school. Hey kids, glad you're here this morning. And I know you're listening and I know you hear and I know that you're busy working there, but you also hear. You also hear. And God just may speak a word into your heart this morning as well. So awesome. Keep listening. Keep listening. Know that he wants to speak to you. And he has a, some amazing plans for your life. Like Joseph, he's going to lead you onwards. So that's the beginning of Joseph's life. He had dreams. Now secondly, and finally, I'm going to take you to the end of his life to the last days. Now, if you want to know what's in, be in between, be sure to read this exciting novel. It's a great read. His life was not boring. And you can say that with confidence. Wow, his life was not boring. Do you like going on roller coasters? Sit in the same seat with Joseph and you'll see what a roller coaster is all about. His brothers nearly killed him threw him into a pit in Canaan. He was sold uh, uh, as a slave in Egypt. A high-ranking official in Egypt by the name of Potiphar took him into his home. And because he took him into his home, God blessed his home because God has had his favor upon Joseph. And Joseph was promoted. And then Potiphar's wife took a liking to this handsome dude, dude and, and she was not going to take no for an answer. You remember the story? And when she couldn't have Joseph, she felt scorned and she cried, Rape! And I think Potiphar knew better, but he had to put Joseph in prison. But even in prison, God blessed Joseph, and he was lifted from that prison virtually overnight and made to be the prime minister of Egypt. Amazing story, roller coaster story. And the, then the novel deals with the brothers. After 20 years, Joseph is reunited with his brothers. And the grace of God so fills Joseph that he sees and he understands the big picture of what God is doing. <laughs> this is big picture stuff. Kind of cool, isn't it? To see, regardless of the pain and anger and stuff that's in our families, that's in our families, that God is bigger. I mean, I'm sure you don't have any stuff in your family. Uh, you've got it all together. But most of us don't. Families are roller coasters. But God's dreams are bigger. And he uses us to be the people to break the cycle. And to be redemptive. And he uses you. You could easily be tempted to follow in the same old patterns. But by the grace of God, you break out. And you forgive, and you restore, and you build into your family. Wow. You be the Joseph. You be the Joseph in your family. That's Joseph. He saw the hand of God. So first the faith to dream, and then the faith for next steps. Have you discovered in your life that you just can't stop time and say, 
Well, let's just camp here for the rest of, of our lives. This is so good to be here. Let's, let's, let's not go any further. Let's just enjoy being here. This is great. You've also noticed that time, time doesn't stop for any of us. Time just keeps marching on. And life is always about what is next. It's wonderful to celebrate the past, and we must do that. But we can't stay there too long. I love that about our week in Sacramento with the NABs. We look back a little bit, not too much. It was good, but not too much. But we mainly looked ahead. And that new vision captivated our hearts. And Mark and I had lunch with uh, our dear friend Connie Selyus. Some of you have met him. He's 91 years old. And you know what he's about? Next. Next. Love it. He just lost his wife a couple of years ago. He's still working with our conference. Mind is sharp. Heart's in tune with God. He loves people. Everybody loves him. And he's all about next. Man, he's inspiring. What a great lunch together. He could have stopped years ago. But he chose to keep saying, what's next? And then yesterday, Norb and Marg and I had a little luncheon time with uh, Dr. Willie Muller, who lives down, who, who teaches at Taylor Seminary down the road and uh, has been a part of that ministry and, and was still working with field education uh, last year. He celebrated his 90th birthday. Still sharp, still have a great heart for God, still saying what's next, still moving forward, inspiring. Well, Jacob, the father of Joseph, is dying. He's 147 years old. And Genesis 48 and 49 are great chapters where Jacob understands what's next. It's time to bless his family. It's time to bless his grandchildren. He'll be gone soon. He wants to bless the next generation. Got any grandparents here this morning? Yeah. You know about this. Blessing your children and your grandchildren. It's one of the things on your bucket list. Your what's next list. Because your blessing to them is important. Joseph's boys are now young men. Actually, Joseph's first two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, would enjoy equal status with Jacob's sons. It's cool. You see, Jacob was seeing the picture even more clearly as he came to his dying moments. I think we see that often in life. I expect that's pretty true of, of, of many, many people. It was the vision given to Abraham. And the vision was alive in his dad, Isaac. And Jacob's name was called Israel. And they're all part of the covenant people. And this is what God was doing. The covenant people would play such an important role in touching a whole world. It was a big vision that God gave to Abraham. But it was well on its way. And it reaches down to all of us. We're part of it too. We're part of next steps to say, we can't stay here in our corner. And we've always felt that. 
that that was our DNA when this church was birthed. We don't know the specific next steps, but we always know the next steps, if that makes sense. The next steps to move forward, to do what we can do here at home and around the world, to introduce Christ as the hope of the world. But we want to listen carefully for the specific next steps of what God is saying to us in these days. Strengthen ministry here in our church, here in our community, and then plant a new ministry, a new church in a new area. What's next for us, Lord? So Jacob blesses his children. He looks into the future, and he, he wants what God wants. Yeah, that's... He wants what God wants. And Jacob dies... And his request is to be buried back in Canaan. Must have been a rather impressive funeral procession, procession uh, silently wending its way all the way back from Egypt, all the way back to the home. And when Jacob was buried, the brothers of Joseph's were very nervous. I mean, it might, it might have been the time when Joseph uh, would be able to get revenge on his siblings. So it says, when, Jacob, when Joseph received the message... He wept. Then the brothers went in person to him, threw themselves on the ground before him and said, We'll be your slaves. Joseph replied, Don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see you planned evil against me? But God used those same plans for my good as you see around you right now. Life for many people. Easy now. You have nothing to fear. I'll take care of you and your children. And he reassured them, speaking with them heart to heart. Oh, certainly, if Joseph had it in his heart to do a payback time, this was the perfect occasion. But it was never the heart of Joseph. You see, all this roller coaster stuff shaped the heart of Joseph. And that's what life does to us. I hope your life experiences are not making you bitter and sour and negative. There's always a chance that that could be the, the way life unfolds. But I hope not. Joseph had a God perspective. He saw what God was doing in all of his journey. And that God intended, he was sovereign, he intended it all for good. Listen, if you don't get bitter... And you trust God, either now or in eternity, you'll see how God works it all out. Trust Him. Trust Him. Don't take it into your own hands. Know the heart of your loving Father. He's your Papa, and He cares for you. You have the power to punish. Choose the power to forgive. You have the power to put someone in a squeeze. Choose to release them with the grace of God. What a grand life for Jacob. And then for Joseph. Because Joseph, he dies at the age of 110. And he has the same heart for the future. What's next? Listen to what he says in Genesis 50, 24. He says, soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and he will lead you out of this land of Egypt. So, you know, Joseph knew 
that Egypt was only temporary. And he will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So Joseph says, when you leave, take my bones with you. Take my bones with you. Uh, let me just close by sharing this. A helicopter pilot said that he had an unusual experience. For the first and only time in his life, he saw a complete rainbow. You know, all we ever see when we see a rainbow is just, just an arc. But that's only half the rainbow. Because a rainbow is really circular. He said, when I was just in the right position, at just the right spot, in this heavenly prism, I not only saw it, but I flew through it and around it. That's an unusual experience. We don't usually see the whole rainbow, but this we know, that God has good things for us. He has good things for you. God always meant it for good. God always means it for good in your life. With joy, with anticipation, with expectation, we reach out in courageous faith to say, God, what's next? What's next? Would you stand with me, please? And I'm going to invite the worship team to come as we conclude. Give us faith, O Lord, to dream. Father, thank you for your dreams, the dreams that you put in our hearts. Thank you, God, for each person here and the dreams that you put in every individual heart, the dreams and the vision. God, uh, you love us. You have purpose and significance for every one of us. We long to know your heart even better. We long to walk with you. We long to dream your dreams. And we desire to be faithful. So we are graced by your love. What amazing love you have for us. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.